Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Evan and Aaron's Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Evan and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, April 22nd, 2022. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast, and we are live here tonight. Uh, great to have everybody listening in. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, first things first, uh, last week we took Good Friday off, so if you were trying to tune in to listen, uh, obviously we weren't here. So uh, we wanted to honor Good Friday, and so we decided to take uh, the uh, show off last week. Um, but we're back, and I know everyone's excited that that is the case. Um, of course, it's not the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast without both of us being here. Alan is with us now tonight. Alan, good evening. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Really appreciate it. Glad to be living, glad to be healthy, and definitely glad to be back on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk radio show. Blessings to everybody who's listening. Well, let's get right into it tonight. A lot of stuff has happened in the two weeks since we last uh, convened here on the show. Um, first things first, I know we've got a lot of uh, you know news in the world of sports. The NFL draft coming up in a week uh, with uh, Major League Baseball season uh, in full swing right now. But I want to start the show off on more of a somber note. Uh, it was about two weeks ago tomorrow uh, where uh, former Washington – quarterback, and of course he has spent some time with the Steelers, and then of course uh, star at Ohio State, uh, Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately at a very young age, uh, passed away after being involved in a uh, traffic incident. Um, so the Allen and Aaron Sports Podcast, we certainly want to um, send our condolences to uh, the Haskins family, uh, the Ohio State family, the Washington football team, um, as well as the Steelers family, all those who knew him, his family itself. Um, all those who were friends and family with him, um, certainly a tragic loss, uh, a life lost way too, uh, certainly way too early. So we want to have a moment of silence here in, uh, in the memory of former quarterback Dwayne Haskins. All right. So um, again, uh, that was something that happened. Uh, it was two weeks ago tomorrow when the news broke uh, that that had occurred. So uh, a lot of stuff to get to here tonight. Alan, I know, um, you know, one week between shows, there's a lot of stuff to get to. Two weeks between shows, it doubles up and never seems yeah. to go away. But that's what we're here for, right, to to uh, talk right. about. And definitely we want to make sure that we go ahead and thank our sponsors before we get too ahead of, too ahead of ourselves. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Keith. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Chef G's, this today is sponsored by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. It's so good, so addictive, you might need a support group. So please check out FL Barbecue Sauce. Support Chef G, get yourself a bottle of some uh, great barbecue sauce. We've I've tried all four. They're all fantastic. So thank you, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, for being our sponsor. Yeah, I certainly appreciate it, and 
Uh, great stuff. I mean, you can enhance any food with barbecue sauce. In fact, you don't even have to, uh, even have to actually eat barbecue to use it. it, it you can put it on anything for the most part. I like to dip French fries in it. So, um, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> and you know, we need to have a show, honestly, Alan, where we talk about you know food that's at different venues. What's the what's the best place? You know, is it a is it a Fenway Frank or a Dodger Dog or a you know Philly cheesesteak at a Phillies game? I think we need to do something like that sometime and kind of uh, expand our horizons there a little bit. But uh, before we get too further, uh, also, you know, every week we do this show, and I'm sure he probably even wanted to call in last week, even though we weren't here. But this great guy, Lou, who always comes on and uh, love talking to him. He's been coming on for a year and a half or so now, and uh, he is uh, joining us here this evening. Lou, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Alan and Aaron. Sorry about that. I guess you weren't on last week, you know, the holiday. I should have thought of that myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You knew something was up, but, yes, Good Friday we we. I thought so. I thought maybe, well, Good Friday, I, I guess they decided not to, you know, that's what I thought. Okay. But anyway, yeah. we've, had a lot, we've had a lot of sad um, deaths in just the past week alone. Um, the New York, in fact, we've lost two hockey players within a week of each other. Yeah, that's, that's been we, a lost, we lost Mike Bossy uh, last week, the uh, former Islanders player who won four Stanley Cups, and we lost Guy Lafleur just last night. Those of you who are Montreal Canadiens fans know who that is. Wow, definitely. So it's been a, it, and both died. I think of the same. Uh, both I think died of the same uh, disease. Yeah, yeah, and both yeah, relatively. Definitely. Both relatively the same age. I think uh, I think one was seventy and the other was like sixty six. I want to say. Um, so well, not. Was, well, four was yeah. seventy and Bossy was sixty five. Sixty five. Okay, gotcha. There. Yeah. I was close. And but... I remember when he won those Stanley Cups. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a few years. Uh, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but being that, but being that I'm you know a Ranger fan, uh, you know how I feel about the Islanders. Gotcha there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and of course we got the NBA playoffs going on now. Yeah, it's looking pretty good, and uh, Ben Simmons might play in Game Four. Well, we'll we'll see. I'm not sold on it just yet. Yeah, it's always interesting to see when guys are out how big of a difference that makes, uh, especially in these playoffs where anything can seemingly happen now. Um, I know that. Uh, Couple of years have been kind of interesting in that regard. Well, now, you haven't played all year, so why would you want to play now? Well, it's the playoffs. I mean, you can make a difference potentially in the outcome uh, of a series. That's certainly possible. Yeah, but you know, there was questions saying, well, "How big of an impact will he be?" I don't know. Although uh, the Nets could use him right now because you know we could have won both games uh, one and two, but. You know, one was because you didn't block, you didn't uh, hold them too well against that for the final shot and the getaway. And two, you had a big lead, and then you put on the choke signal. You dirty, no good. (laughs) (laughs) No bias or opinion. I'll keep it clean. (laughs) 
we got a lot of stuff going on in the next couple of weeks in the sports world. Go ahead, Alan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we do. No, I was just going to say, yeah, we, I missed you, Lou. You know, definitely it's always nice to hear from you. And, and you know, definitely with the NBA playoffs, what are your predictions? If the Nets don't get their act together, they're in a lot of trouble. But I do think it's going to come between down. Uh, in the East, it's going to come out between Boston and Miami, even though Miami is losing right now. And it's got to be between the Warriors and the Suns in the West. Oh, yeah. So, so a lot of things you think is going to be some surprises then. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing because I think last year was a surprise uh, for the most part with uh, with Milwaukee. So um, it would be nice to see something change a little bit in that sense in the NBA. I don't see a repeat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but it was a change from the usual, I think, was the nice year. thing about it. Yeah, that was the nice thing about it. It wasn't, wasn't expected last year with uh, with the Bucks. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, a shock yeah. to see them uh, come back and do what they did, quite frankly. Um, not a team that you normally would think would be that deep into the playoffs in the NBA. Uh, I've always kind of considered them kind of like the Hawks. You know, you're in the first or second round, and then you kind of fall apart. And they didn't last year, so. And they did this year they did too. I mean, uh, Hawks are done. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a big Thursday coming up here uh, next week with the NFL draft. Uh, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. the interesting thing I think about this draft, there, there's some good quarterbacks in it. Quarterback is normally the, the top targeted position. And a lot of the most recent yeah. mock drafts, uh, Lou and Allen, that I've seen – are showing quarterbacks not going until, you know, the 10th, maybe even 15th overall pick. Um, what do you – how do you feel about that, or what are your thoughts on that? Is it just not a deep quarterback pool this year, or um, the needs of the teams that are drafting is not really the quarterback side of things? I think it's the quarterback side of things. So, you have to – I mean, yeah. I don't much of a quarterback, you know, driven uh, draft this year. There's a lot of defensive linemen. Um, that seems like that's yeah. the biggest uh, draw at this point uh, with uh, four or five possibly even going in the first ten picks, which uh, is certainly unusual. It doesn't really happen that way. You might get that many in the first round, but not normally that many in the first ten overall selections. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of trades, too, that happen, uh, quite honestly, in the next uh, you know, in the next week or so. And I know Alan wanted to bring this up, and I think this is a really good, uh, interesting topic for uh, trade between now and the draft, is uh, uh, Debo Samuel with the 49ers basically saying he wants out. And, you know, what prompted that and where might he go and how does that impact the draft? You know, because you've got to think draft picks most likely would be involved in whoever acquires him. You know, where do you think he might end up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I'll get your, your thoughts on that, Lou, and then I'll let you know. Please do. <laughs> yeah, what I think is – I think this had to, to do a lot with money. He wasn't probably getting nowhere near in the neighborhood of what he thinks he's, he's worth. And Debo Samuel, let me just let you know, is, is an outright beast. The guy can straight out ball. I mean – it's unfortunate because in a way that, you know, the team was right there, 
you know, and just a couple little tweaks, they're they're Super Bowl contender team. But I think this had to do with money is what it came down to. The San Francisco was not giving him what he wants, and I think what he wants is to be the highest paid at his position. I think, yeah. believe it or not, I, I think the Bucks have a shot at him if he's willing to do like a one- or two-year deal. I don't think if he's going to be a multiple-year, five- or six-year deal, I don't think the Bucks have a chance. I think he would entertain it. Those are my thoughts. What do you guys think thoughts on this? You know, I must say I've been disappointed in that, you know, this series. I thought maybe they got pull more of a fight. They have, but you know, they they just uh, choke. <laughs> so it's been a it's been a big problem there. Yeah, as for I'm hoping um, that when for, they come home, they uh, you know they they can turn it around. Yeah, yeah. As for uh, as for Samuel though, with uh, with San Francisco, I, I agree, Alan. I think that a lot of it is. You know, this is a later off-season storyline. It's closer to the draft. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of other things that have gone on this off-season, but we've seen other big wide receivers that have moved around and gotten the big money, and this is a typical thing. You feel like you're in the same class as a Devontae Adams or some of the other receivers that are out there, and you want to be paid the same way those guys are. So I think that's a lot of what has probably taken place and also – maybe not getting as much recognition as he feels like he should. You know, he's he's definitely in a class with those other guys, you know, uh, that I mentioned there a moment ago. And, you know, uh, the money part is really that, that's the ultimate respect to the NFL or in sports in general, but the NFL is, is really big on that is, you know, I'm getting respected based on the amount of money I'm getting paid. And that, I think, pay, uh, plays a lot into this. And look, the 49ers are at a crossroads too because you've got, uh, Trey Lance, who was a first-round pick just a couple of years back, um, and you know he's—I I just last year he was a first-round pick by the 49ers, and he got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's somehow still on the roster uh, against all odds. I really thought he would have been dealt by now, but you're trying to figure yeah. out what the identity of your offense is. So those are all things that are mixing together, and I think it's really going to be difficult for John Lynch because you've got this looming decision hanging over: do we hold on to Garoppolo? Uh, do we trade him? Is Trey Lance our starting quarterback this coming season? And now you have this curveball coming in with, you know, Debo Samuel saying, I don't want to be here anymore. So if I'm John Lynch and yeah. the 49ers, if, if you trade him, regardless of what you trade him for, you've got to replace that, you know, that production on your team. So you've got to get, you know, a high enough draft pick for him that you can find a receiver in the first round of the draft or even the second round of the draft that can at least give you another guy on the roster to be – to be there. This is a team, though, that expects to contend. They were, you know, right there. Um, came down to, you know, last drive of the game from going to, you know, another Super Bowl. And now you potentially are losing one of your star players. So I think it's going to be interesting what John Lynch does with the 49ers there and, and what moves they make going forward. Yeah, I agree. And and I think you read up a great point, Aaron, that I think what happened with Depot was that he saw what happened to Devontae Adams, he sort of, he got paid all this money going to the Raiders, got a multi-year deal, and he's like, hey, how is Devontae more valuable than me? I not only, not only do I catch the ball, but a lot of times you hand off the ball to me and I run it like a running back. So I think that variable came into play. 
And he's like, hey, he got all this money. Where's mine? And that's where I think it started off kind of slowly and then progressed into a bad situation. And now you, you're right. You're losing one of your weapons. This really hurts the 49ers. And, and you know, if they don't have Debo Samuel, they don't come close to probably even beating your team, the Packers. Is a lot right. of it with them beating the Packers had to do with Debo Samuel. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Wish this had happened a year ago. It would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been. Well, Lou, what do you got cooking on yeah. your show for uh, for tomorrow night? Well, of course, we're going to discuss the NBA playoffs, or we're going to discuss uh, the new uh, version of the USFL. Looks promising, but we still have to wait and see what happens. Uh, we'll also cover the um, – Cover the what happened with the Boston Marathon. I got some interesting uh, boxing and WWE news. I got some PGA golf because uh, there's another edition of the match that will come up um, later in the uh, next month. So we'll take care of that. So don't forget, it's uh, 5 to 7 p.m. tomorrow on the Enhanced Sports Show. Number to call, 512-543-4662. I'll give you again, 512-543-4662. I hope I can hear from you guys. Awesome, awesome. Make sure you guys call in and support Lou. He's got that enhanced sports show between 5 and 7, Eastern Standard Time Zone. Call in and have a great time with Lou, for sure. That's for sure. Fantastic. All right, guys. Give him the number one more time. Two more times. 512-543-4662. Good night. <laughs> Good night, Lou. <laughs> Good night. I appreciate you, Lou. All right, that's our good buddy Lou, and he brought up a great point there. You know, we were racking our brains right before the show started here tonight because we hadn't been on in two weeks. Uh, some of the sporting uh, events and news that has happened since we last were on uh, two weeks ago, and I completely had a blank on this. Two weeks ago, this coming Sunday, was the final round of the Masters, and I uh, wanted to give a, a shout-out to Scotty Scheffler for – Tell you what, probably one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen in any golf tournament, but the Masters especially with those uh, two or three missed putts there at the end. But thankfully he had built up a good enough lead. Uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, he really, really, um, you know, played a great entire uh, tournament. But uh, last round, with the exception of the last uh, two or three shots, uh, just a great, uh, great thing. And great guy. Good to see him winning a uh, tournament. This is a guy who really uh, – as an amateur was one of the best players in the whole country. So to see him win really the biggest golf tournament in the world was, uh, was definitely very nice. Yeah. You seem to be a, a big fan of Scotty. You know, you were very excited for him when he, when he did, when he did win. And I, I know he yeah. got criticism. Hey, just talk about that a bit more. Like you're, you're, you're a big fan of Scotty. Well, I just, you know, I, you, it's good to see guys that have, um, he, he would be one, and I go back and look at like, somebody like Bubba Watson, who won his first Masters, I want to say 10 years ago, I think it was 2012, uh, guys that were just dominant as amateurs and have really worked extremely hard to get to where they are, um, guys that you knew were at some point probably going to be successful, and they finally were able to do it. And this is a guy who's only 25. I mean, he's got a long potentially very prosperous career ahead of him. So um, I think that 
watching him win, it wasn't like watching Tiger win his first one or even his most recent one. And it certainly wasn't like watching Phil Mickelson when he finally won in 2004. It wasn't the same. In fact, it was probably the most anticlimactic finish. I remember watching this. It was only two weeks ago. But, you know, these short, you know, seven or eight foot putts. And it's, it's almost like he choked up at the very end. So something that you don't normally see. Um, and, again, for him, it's, it's pretty fortunate that he did, you know, have a, a you know, two or three shot lead or four shot lead at the very end there. So he had some, you know, miscues to play with, if you will. But I tell you what, one more of those, that might have been it. So, um, but again, it's nice to see because, again, this is a guy who's been playing golf for a long, long time. I remember they rolled out a stat or something that he had, as an amateur, played in like 100 tournaments and finished in the top 10 in like 90% of them or something to that effect. So, um, just a really excellent golfer. I wouldn't be shocked if he, you know, at some point, you know, holds the grand slam for um, the, the four majors. Uh, it wouldn't shock me. I think he's right in there. And we've got a new wave of golfers that are really starting to, to really uh, take over. Uh, obviously, the the dominant days, uh, we used to see a Tiger Woods. I'm not saying he won't win again. I'd like to see him win again. But, you know, his dominant days are, are definitely behind him. Same thing with Phil Mickelson and, some of the other bigger names. So it's nice to see some of these newer guys that are starting to, you know, take the torch and, and dominate going forward. Yeah, it definitely is refreshing to see the young guys go out there and do their thing. And, you know, to his credit, I know he got a, a lot of criticism towards the end because of the missed putts. You know, fortunately for him, he played pretty much flawless the entire weekend. And during a four-day tournament, I should say, and he had such a big lead where he was able to close the deal without basically putting away his, his masters. And, and that's the advantage you have when you had such a big shot lead. And to his credit, he was in the lead where Tiger was still in the mix. And a lot of times back in the day, that would usually be disastrous for somebody and they would be in their head and that lead would shrink to the point of giving it away. Yeah. So he yeah. still stayed stayed the course, and he closed the deal. And I know a few people was criticizing that you know he had the you know the multiple putts, but hey, you know what? A win is a win is a win. He closed the deal and got it. So it didn't matter. Yes, you know, no, I'm sure he wouldn't have. He at least saved his bad putts towards the very end. I think he's thinking maybe it was in his own head. But I, I give him credit for for closing the deal. Yeah, and I, I would say this too, and this is just uh, because you and I have gone out and played golf before. I know we're getting ready to do that again here in a few weeks. All those naysayers out there that are talking about him missing a couple of putts, I want to see them get out on the course and see what percentage of them actually make one or two of those same putts that he had to make. It's not as easy as it looks, folks. So <laughs> Exactly, and that's a great point, Aaron, that a troll was, was basically – over the last, I would say, three, probably about four weeks now, but I've been responding back, was getting on me because we basically had a debate about Justin Thomas was about to get ready to take a shot in a tournament play. During tournament play, one of the drunk guys goes, you know, bump and run, greens are fast, and he basically was giving JT advice. You know, he was had a few beers too many, but he was basically giving JT advice, hey, hit a bump and run, 
be careful, don't hit it too hard because the greens are fast. In a nutshell, that's not bad advice, but the timing. You can't tell yeah, it's in tournament play. Yeah. yeah, the timing. You can't, he's getting – he wasn't literally ready to swing his club and hit it, but he was setting up to the ball. And, and during tournament play, you, even if you're giving good advice, it really don't matter because you're not going to be able to give someone a pro advice at that point and it really make a difference from a total stranger. Maybe it's caddy, maybe to him – he'd be more receptive to hearing that advice. But during tournament play, it's pretty much over. Like those, those times of putting out the kinks. Yeah, so, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, that's not the time to, to do that. Uh, well beforehand, maybe. Um, but again, uh, just you know, right before the shot or as you're getting prepared for it, that's the last place that that needs to happen at. And, you know, it's just it's an oddity in the game of golf. Game of golf, the biggest thing about golf, in my opinion, um, you know, we've watched as other sports have had some of the somewhat traditional things change um, over the years. Golf's a sport that really, in terms of the traditions, hasn't changed at all, in my opinion, in the last 100 years plus. And the biggest thing about golf is etiquette. So I'd say the etiquette has really been broken in that scenario you just kind of rolled out there. Um, that would definitely be outside of the game of, uh, of golf etiquette for sure. <laughs> exactly. And that was my point. Like, okay, yes, you didn't see anything bad. And he wasn't being like mean spirited in saying it or a jerk about it, but golf has to do with etiquette. It's not the right time or place to say anything. You know, it's just, it's just not. And, and your opinion might be very good. Sometimes you need to keep your opinion to yourself is my, my point. Like, is, there's a time and place for everything. And me and the troll went back and forth. But the reason why I bring this up is because of the fact that, you know, with golf, you got to understand golf etiquette. It was poor golf etiquette. I think some of the people of today under, miss the fact that there is etiquette in golf, good golf etiquette. Regardless of how great you're playing or how poor you're playing, you got to have good golf etiquette yeah golf's really um you know a a game of uh, trying to think of the best way to say this it's like the business casual sport so you might be casually dressed in somewhat golf attire but there's still a a reverence to the sport itself that you don't you don't definitely break so that etiquette that you brought up there is not you know, and this isn't the first time that there's been things like this that have been brought up. I remember back to the um, uh, late 90s, tur- oh, it was a tournament. I can't remember which tournament it was. Um, might have been the Skins game that year uh, where the United States hit a big putt towards the end of the tournament and they all ran down the course. And there was a lot of criticism for that. Um, you know, there's things like that that occur. I think that the best time, in my opinion, on a golf course, it, it always accumulates at the end of the masters it's just there's nothing like that tournament it is the best one out there for sure it's the it's the super bowl of golf tournaments and the best time i think i've ever seen in any golf event is whoever makes that last putt and wins the green jacket it's always exciting so that's that's where once whoever it is wins you know then you can have that big celebration and be a little bit outside of the jacket because it has won but 
before then, yeah, you definitely don't step across those lines. Yes, exactly. And and you brought up a great point. And what, speaking of Green Jacket, I think I was very encouraged of what I saw with Tiger. Uh, I think he's got the right path. He's not rushing anything. I like the fact that he's cutting down and being very, very selective in the tournaments he's playing in. I do believe, to your point, I don't, I don't know if Tiger's going to be that same guy to dominate, but I do think he has it in him to, to catch Jack. I think he can win three more Masters, not three in a year like he's done before, but three over the course of maybe five years or win, win one per year is really what he has to look at doing. He has a great game of golf, gets a lead. I think guys are going to start getting nervous. They hear the crowd roaring when he makes a great shot. I think that pressure is going to point as far as the young guys. I think some of the young guys are going to fold, and I, I could see him winning definitely another another three majors, uh, n- another three maps. I'm sorry. Before yeah, I think I think though here's the thing. So uh, Tiger is now 46. And so I think if he is going to – it's not, not out of the question for somebody who's over 50 to win a, a major for sure. But with the way that athletes are nowadays, with the way these younger guys are coming up, I mean, there's been guys who've won, you know, the Masters even, even this year that for the most part were not household names until they won the Masters. Um, I guarantee you, other than really big golf enthusiasts, not a lot of people really knew who Scotty Sheffield was until he won two weeks ago. So um, what I would say about Tiger is if he's going to break that record, he's got to win a major in the next two years. I think if he hasn't won one by the end of 2023, the clock really is ticking at that point. And, you know, at some point he may move on to the senior tour. It's kind of crazy to think about that because, you know, to think of him as this young guy, and he, he is for the most part still young, but in the game of golf, he's actually considered pretty old at this point. You got a lot of guys that are 20, 21, 23, 24 that they have that energy and that endurance to be able to play an entire schedule throughout the whole year. And I think you're absolutely right, though. I think his best bet is to, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how many tournaments are played per year, but really just to cut back, you know, playing all the majors if he can, and then maybe some of the mid-sized tournaments throughout the year, but, you know, Play your practice game throughout the week and, and get some rest because really if he tries, I'll say this almost with a guaranteed fact, if he tries to play a full schedule going forward, I just don't see him being able to, to, to pull it out even one more major tournament just because I think that'll tire him out. I just don't think that with him being older, having some of the injuries that he suffered the last year or so, it would be really difficult for him to be able to come back from that if he was playing a full schedule. So him you know, tapering it back a little bit and being selective in what he plays, especially the weather, you know, maybe not playing in such hot heat. That's going to really, really, I think, help him out in the long term. Yeah, you're right. Uh, definitely being selective. And I even said this prior to the leg incident that he should be more selective and cut down his tournaments. And it's nice that, you know, he is actually doing that. And I think that will help him get to, getting those masters by doing load management. You know, it's, it's about quality, it's about quality, not quantity is what he has to look at. But yeah, yeah I, I'm point. encouraged. It's a very, very good point. So 
So a couple other things to move on to here tonight. Uh, I know we talked about uh, golf. That wasn't even really in our main thing of, of uh, stuff to talk about this evening. Um, we're right in the thick of the baseball season. We're two weeks in, and uh, one of the topics we really wanted to hit on tonight is all the money and all the, the stuff that was given to Garrett Cole going to the New York Yankees a couple years back. And, you know, is, is he worth all that money? Is he worth what the Yankees are paying him? I want to get your take on that first given that you are a Yankee fan, and then I'll, I'll give my take after that. <laughs> I say this with all due respect to Garrett Cole and his talent. I think with sticky stuff, he may allow to use that. Yes, he's worth all that money. Without the sticky stuff, he's a very good pitcher, but not the same pitcher without it. I think, you know, he, he's, he's a pitcher. He has his moments, but I think the consistency is really hasn't been there with Garrett Cole. And if you're an, a, you know, a starter and you're not able to go at least go deep into those games, I mean, I know it's asking a lot for you to be a guy to shut down the other opposition for multiple innings. But if you're an ace, that's what is required. You know, that's you are the. That's why you get paid all that money. And yes, I can I could see why the fans are starting to boo him. And this is what happens when you play and you take that big contract in New York when you don't live up to expectations. I think the fans have been very, very patient with Garrett Cole. And I think now they're, they're, the patience is running thin. So, no, he has not lived up to that money that he, he's gotten. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. He hasn't lived up to the expectations. But let's be frank here. This is New York. This is the Yankees. Um, you know, they're looking for number 28. And they haven't won one in 13 years now. Um, this is the longest non-World Series winning uh, streak that the Yankees have had since the late 70s into the 90s, which was, I think, what, 17 or 18 years, from 78 to 96, if I remember correctly. So uh, I think a little bit of it has to do with that. I think there's a lot of uh, urgency with now – uh, and you kind of hit on this a couple weeks ago with the whole uh, Aaron Judge situation. He turned down the big, the big uh, potential contract to stay, and you know, looming free agency over him. But to Garrett Cole, since that was our main topic, um, you know, we could talk about the whole uh, fire attack. We could make a whole show out of that for the most part. Um, and I know we talked about it a, a year or so ago last summer when they introduced the new rule. Um, I think that really the biggest thing is, for him, it's all mental. And really, baseball is a very psychological game as it is anyways. His spin rate's great. I mean, yeah, it's not what it was before the, the, the rules were changed, but he still should have good enough stuff to be able to, to dominate. And I think a lot of it is he, he's got all that money behind him, and he's playing in one of the toughest places to play. And especially it's a tough place to play, not because, you know, the atmosphere is necessarily difficult. It's the – barrage of questions after every start it's the you know the stuff in the papers it's the the local radio shows it's you know all those things that are being talked about and doing your best to not listen to any of it and then if you have a bad start or a perceived bad start all of the stuff that you're hearing suddenly is playing back in your mind and this is why a lot of guys have neglected to go to new york um great bad didn't go there for that Zach Grinke had an opportunity to go there years ago, passed it up. Randy Johnson was there back uh, in 05, 06. And after two years, even though he had some decent years there, 
he moved on because he couldn't deal with it. So some guys are, are cut out for it and some guys are not. And I think the interesting thing, in my opinion, and again, I'm looking at this just from the kind of over here in left field uh, view, sometimes it's the guys that maybe aren't as good other places. They go to New York and they can just somehow compartmentalize a lot of that stuff I mentioned there before, and they do really well. And sometimes guys who are superstars like Garrett Cole, he probably would have been better off playing for where he was at before, Houston, you know, uh, opportunity to, to be on a team that had some other really good pitchers. Of course, they won a World Series there with uh, with him on the team uh, several years back. Um, he wasn't being counted on in Houston to be the guy like he's being counted on to be the guy there in New York. It's a whole different thing there. So I would say a lot of it is um, the psychological side of things. Is he worth the money? Well, he's certainly worth it before he signed it, but he's not living up potential that was put on him when that huge contract was signed there several years back. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with a lot of what you said, Aaron. It's a great point. You know, New York is, you know, uh, that's my hometown, you know, New York, Brooklyn, New York. And some got, people are made for that, where the bright lights, the media attention, they actually level up. They do better because of it. They they enjoy that attention. They enjoy that that camaraderie. They enjoy that, hey, I'm being watched. My talents are being watched. Everything I'm doing is being watched. I want you to watch me because I'm, I'm the best. And they thrive with that. And then there's the other guy who just does not. You know, they realize after they signed the big contract, I don't like the fact that I got 15 reporters in by my by my locker room when I only used to have one or none sometimes, you know, like some, some places yeah. do not have big media following. That's just how it is. But in New York, you can rest assured you're going to get you to Yankees. You're going to have somebody you're going to have some reporters by you sign a big contract by the Yankees. And some guys just don't like that attention. They don't, they don't like being scrutinized. They, they play worse. And like you said, it's mental. It gets in their head. They start feeling like they're doing a lot worse than they really are, and then it just nosedives. And the guy who, like, what happened to this guy? He was so great from other place. Well, you move that person in certain places, they do much better. Some some people, they move around, they, it's the same person, no difference. And then some people take a nosedive. I, I agree with you. I think a lot of what Garrett Cole's thing is in his mind. I think it first started with the, with the ticky-tack. You know, sometimes when you start using that stuff and you start becoming a crutch, you start believing mentally that I can't play without it. When in reality, that may not be the truth. You can play without it. You just kind of fixated yourself on an aid. And I think that was in his head for a long time. And it stayed in his head. And I think the booing is starting to stay in his head a long time, too. He needs to snap out of it get back to the fundamentals and you're going to be fine. The great thing about New York is this, they have short memory when you start playing great. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I mean, yep. they're, they're, and, and, you know, a classic example of that would have been, and granted he had a great career before this happened, but you go back to the 2001 world series, um, which I still think is one of the greatest world series played uh, ever, just given what had happened a few months before and, uh, a back-and-forth World Series. No road team won a game in that series. Ended up going to Arizona, of course. But at the end of Game 7, what allowed Arizona to propel and, and eventually win 
was a throwing error by Mariano Rivera. And in a lot of other times, maybe a lesser player would have been booed right out of town and, and, you know, never wanted to go back. Well, the very next year, everyone loved Mariano Rivera again. So, and it was a few years later that they, of course, finally won another World Series. But, you know, as you mentioned, when you're winning, things are going right there for you. So, you know, if they if they win a World Series in New York this year, Garrett Cole will be loved. Uh, that, that's really what it is. And I think that's sometimes how it is, too. You have to win win there before they really are going to fall in love with you. Exactly. Sometimes you you don't just get the the bought-in real estate. Sometimes you got to earn it. So once you start playing well, you start executing, they'll start cheering you again. So that, at least that's the good news is that, hey, this is short-term memory when it comes to New York when you start playing great. Very, very good point there. So so we looked about the draft. We talked a little bit about um, you know where things are going in the NFL here, uh, obviously, as the draft is next Thursday. And it's such a defensive uh, draft, it looks like, at this point, at least in the first several picks. Um, any any chance of any surprises, Alan, that you think might happen early on? Any trades that might pop up out of nowhere? Well, the Debo Samuel definitely was a trade that popped out of nowhere that, you know, no one saw that one coming until it came to light. I don't, you know, I definitely do think the Bucks are going to be on the on the block to get defensive corner help, which is what they definitely need. And I, I just think um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks went ahead and did draft a quarterback too, a highly sorted quarterback for the future, because, you know, it's, it's pretty inevitable, even though you did get Tom Brady, that I would just look at this as being his last season. I wouldn't, if I was the Bucks, I would say this is it. So if a great quarterback comes along, could even hate on them drafting a, a quarterback too. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder uh, what that would mean for Kyle Trask, uh, who was their uh, second round pick uh, a year ago out of Florida. I, I kind of wonder what that means for him. I know a lot of people feel like he could be a good, uh, you know, next step after uh, after Brady in Tampa. The big thing about Tampa now, though, is and this of course broke just a few weeks ago, is now. You moved on to a different head coach, so you've got a new style. Now you're more of a defensive team, and you're absolutely right. I think Tampa will draft defensively early on in the in the in the draft this year. But again, the offense has been the big thing that has propelled this team the last two years, especially with uh, Brady and the receiving core that he's had, uh, minus uh, of course uh, Brown. But <laughs> um, you know, yeah. <laughs> is is this team? Uh, and we don't know what's going to happen with Rob Gronkowski yet, but is this team um, with Brady, does this team go in a whole different direction after he's gone? Or is this, you know, we'll, we'll step in with another quarterback and we'll basically pick up right where we left off? That's a great the point. I, I think you need to make the decision before Thursday. You know, if, if after this year, are we going with Kyle Trask? If we're not, then you need to draft somebody. Is why I look at it. You need to draft someone, and it's not to scare Brady or anything like that. But hey, it's it, you know, this, I look at this being Tom Brady's last year. Yeah, I, I would look at every year being Tom Brady's last year at this point. I mean, uh, you never know. He retired for what two months and then came back. Um, 
I'm not sure that Tampa's going to, you know, jump up and, and draft a quarterback in the first uh, two rounds necessarily. But, you know, there's value in the deeper parts of the draft. Look at uh, Russell Wilson. He was a third-round pick. Um, look at Brady, for crying out loud. He was a sixth-round pick. So you can find uh, guys who end up eventually being, you know, stars later on. It's not as common, but it is something that can still happen. Um, I think uh, most people agree that uh, the defensive lineman from Michigan is going to end up going number one overall to Jacksonville. Um, they're going to be a really good team here in a couple of years. I think they're going to have another kind of rough season, most likely. I think they'll be better than they were last year, which I don't think is going to take a whole lot to overcome what they just you know, went through in 2021. And now with a new head coach, someone who has had a successful NFL coaching, uh, you know, couple seasons in the league, comes off the Andy Reid tree, won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia a few years ago. I think that Jacksonville's heading in the right direction. I think they need to build around, obviously, their defense with uh, with this most likely first overall pick in the draft. But then on the offensive side of the football, and that's really where um, where they're built at this point. You know, continue to bring in, you know, marquee type players, guys who are going to help that off grow. And I wouldn't be shocked if Jacksonville they're not going to be a playoff team this year, most likely. But if they won seven, maybe even eight games this year, it wouldn't shock me. Yes, I, I agree. I definitely think, you know, Jacksonville is a good team and they need to, you know, start off getting seven, eight wins a year. And I don't think they were that as bad as their record showed. I, I really do think that their team was starting to do a little bit better. And and I think now with them getting a new fresh start, a new head coach, I think Jacksonville is going to be one of those teams that I don't think make the playoffs, but definitely do a lot better. Yeah, I think that this is one of those years, and we've seen this happen with Tampa before as well, where you kind of go into the year, you know that you're not going to go to the playoffs most likely unless just some strange thing happens. But the test is, okay, how well do we play against some of these better put-together teams? And that's really the thing you build off of. And if you can do that successfully this year, win six, seven, eight games, show that improvement and show that you're in those tougher games, the following year becomes a little bit easier. It's harder, but it's easier at the same time. But now you suddenly have built into uh, into the into the thought of the other teams that you're playing. Hey, this is a team not to not to be messed with. So I think Jacksonville can be in that spot. But this this is really a draft where I'm kind of you know obviously I personally pay more attention to the offensive side of the football. I pay more attention to the quarterbacks, the receivers, the running backs. And this is the first draft I can remember where majority of the first round is being talked about as def- at least the early part of it anyways as defensive players which is a real prize and obviously that's where you're going to win games is you know defense is going to you know, always be the thing that stops the other, t- uh, other team from scoring so I think it'll be interesting it's going to be fun to watch uh, uh, coverage begins I believe at eight o'clock this uh, coming Thursday so we'll have a recap on uh, the first two rounds coming up in our next podcast next Friday night. That'll be a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, some other things that occurred this past week, um, you've got uh, some boxing news to get to. There was a uh, a boxing match held on a JetBlue flight with Mike Tyson uh, last <laughs> week. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. And uh, you know, the one thing I noticed, uh, two things I noticed about this uh, about this uh, fight is Miller was not on the plane, so he, he didn't uh, 
referee it, and whoever Tyson was fighting against didn't lose any parts of his ear. So I just want to throw that out there real quickly. <laughs> Tell me about what your thoughts are on on this fight. <laughs> <laughs> From a person, you know, who's been as, as blessed and fortunate as myself, I've met hundreds if not thousands of celebrities and athletes. Once you get your picture, your autograph, them have their space. They are human beings, just like me and you. You know, they want to be, they, yes, you're a celebrity, but they also, you got to understand, they're still, I know a lot of people don't get a chance to meet celebrities all the time. They're still underneath all of that, have emotions and feelings, just like me and you do. And just like me and you, you want to have your peace of mind and your sanity. Mike Tyson is actually, I've never met Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson, what I see, is actually not a not a bad guy out in public. Meaning, if you ask him for a picture and an autograph, you get him in the right mood. There's a good potential you're going to be able to get that picture and autograph if you ask the right way. You show him respect and you go about it. Cool. This guy got overly excited, being obnoxious, and then he kept going on and on and on. Remember, this is a flight. Mike Tyson was taking in his defense a two, two and a half, three hour flight, and if a guy's constantly irritating you for not like a minute or two but for the duration of fight it's gonna be a breaking point and that's what happened here he kept annoying mike tyson annoying 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 him and then he bit off he kept poking at the beer and then he bit off morning and then he got hurt <laughs> oh wow those words really came home to, to roost on that one so <laughs> uh. he got hurt and then now, from what I've seen today, is he lawyered up, the kid lawyered up. So I don't know if this was a plot to get money that he just thought about when he saw Mike Tyson on the plane, but obviously that's the direction it's going, so most of us are not surprised. But I look at it this as, I know a lot of people say, you know, Mike Tyson, you're in your 50s, you should handle yourself better. I look at it like this. That's easier said than done. And most people in Mike Tyson's shoes wouldn't be able to handle what Mike Tyson's already handled in the media spectrum that he's been. Because Mike Tyson, no matter where he goes, you have fanfare, but you also have people who are trying to see if you are really t- to test you, to see if you really are the baddest man on the planet, even in his later years. You know, they're always challenging you, the hard rock. So I, I, I definitely do think this is going to be settled in court, but I actually, I, I agree with Mike Tyson on this one. Like, leave Mike Tyson alone. And I saw a lot of the footage. The guy was being obnoxious, being annoying, and this is what happened. That's my thoughts on 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 the Mike Tyson incident. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say pretty similar. I mean, I I, I and we don't know obviously the entire story. I'm sure there's going to be more that comes out on it. So I'll reserve judgment until everything all the final details come out i think you're 100 percent right that it'll be it'll be settled in court it'll be um an undisclosed uh settlement uh and that'll be the end of it i don't think we'll hear much more about it after that um and you're right i, I think that there's a good chance this was probably a you know i won the lottery moment it's, it's almost like the ambulance chaser you know attorneys out there that are looking for you know you get hit by a, a company's vehicle and you want to sue them kind of thing. It, it's the same kind of thing. You know, this is a guy who kind of flies off the handle sometimes and 
let's see if I can annoy him enough. If not, I at least get to meet him, but I maybe annoy him enough, you know, get him to take a swing at me and then I'll go sue him for whatever it is and get out of him. So, um, you know, not necessarily saying I agree with Tyson getting up and fighting with him, but at the same time, it's understandable how, you know, somebody who is being belligerent like that would, you know, cause a stir. So. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I'd say a problem with today's society in that people always looking for the quick buck, even if that means, you know, basically antagonizing someone to the point of no return because I think Mike Tyson would have taken this guy's picture and given him an autograph. Now in Mike Tyson's defense, he said that the guy was being a run bunches, which you don't see. And he threw a water bottle, water bottle at Mike Tyson. So I agree with Mike, like, and based on the footage that I did see, if there's a no, a most annoying guy, who you don't want to be next to on a plane, I think his picture would be right there. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I, I'd want to know, too. Like, this guy must not be very old. I, I didn't read that part of the article or, or the story. He must not be very old because it was only 25 years ago that Mike Tyson bit a guy, his ear, basically part of his ear clear off. So you would think that that guy would be like, hey, I'm in a, a aluminum tin can airplane where I can't go. It's not like I can go hide anywhere. I can go hide in the bathroom, but I'm still going to have to come out at some point versus a guy who you talk about being one of the baddest men on the planet, so to speak. I mean, he's going to tear you apart when you come out. So why would you think that's a, a smart idea? It just doesn't seem very, very wild. You talk about dumb decisions. That's definitely one right there for sure. Exactly. It's a dumb decision. <laughs> you, know, you meet a celebrity, take your picture, take your autograph, whatever you're, you're there for. After that, you got to let them be. You got to let them be and be who they are. You know, you, Hey, I think Mike would have given this guy a picture, but I just think he was being very, very obnoxious and annoying. And it's, it's surprising to me that a day or and a half or a day after the incident, he goes ahead and lawyers up. Let me see that you were trying to get a, a payday somehow out of this. And, yeah. and yeah. now you're on your way to getting that payday. That's the, the infuriating thing about it. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely the thing that bothers me is is how people um, do this kind of stuff. It's not uncommon. It's happened many many times before, and it'll continue to happen, I'm sure. Um, but we'll uh, we'll keep everybody posted on that. I'm sure that we'll be hearing some more about it as uh, as time goes on. So, um, looking through the rest here, I know there's a couple of big fights uh, that happened or a big fight happened this past weekend, and then there is uh, the Crawford versus Spence fight that's uh, going to be happening here. I believe that's tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, let me let me talk about the last week's fight, which was Ugas against Spence, and you know, big win for Spence. He, he did his thing. He was very, very one convincingly, and also in this fight, I felt as if Ugas did a pretty a very good effort. This is a pretty big fight. He did his best, but I just thought he didn't have the right game plan fighting Spence on the inside. I didn't think there was any way you had a chance of winning, and you did what I hoped that you didn't do with fighting on the inside against Spence because you had no chance of winning. But very good effort. It's it's great that Spence did win this fight because he did say he wanted to fight Crawford, and Crawford did say via Twitter that he did want to fight him. To me, the biggest thing between the Spence 
And the call for fight is this. This is boxing on trial. Competitors that are both said that their next fight should be the other man. One of them is a free agent. This fight has to be signed, sealed, and delivered within the next 30 to 45 days, and we see this fight by the end of the year. Because to mm-hmm. me, as a boxing fan and a person who covers boxing, why this fight would not be made, to me, puts boxing in a black eye. This is a fight that everybody wants to see. They both admitted that after the fight. Give us what we want to see, which is going to be a very, very, very good fight. I hope it does happen. I'm praying that they sign this contract and get it done and just take a fair deal and let's get on with it and see who's the best. So I'm hoping that it does happen. I'm skeptical that it probably may. I'm not going to even say it, but I'm kind of skeptical. I'll just leave it as that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm highly skeptical. We'll keep and us in the loop on what happens. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hopefully it does happen. And then we have the fight between Tyson Fury and Dylan White. I think Tyson Fury, who comes in focus, is going to win this fight. I think Dylan White is actually craftively putting up, you know, kind of mysterious vibes to me, like what's going to happen. And one thing that was a little bit shocking was that Tyson Fury came in at his lightest weight out of any heavyweight fight for this fight. Hopefully that plays to his advantage. But if Tyson Fury is focused, I feel as if they got a little bit friendly towards the end of this fight because of the face-offs. I didn't see that same mean Tyson Fury that I normally do. But I, I think a, a focused Tyson Fury and looks at Dylan White as a competitor wins the fight. I think if he comes in focus, I think Tyson Fury wins tomorrow's fight. And I, I don't see it going the full 12 rounds. I do see Tyson Fury winning by maybe round eight. But I, I got Tyson Fury winning tomorrow. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. That's good stuff right there. I know you are the uh, the boxing enthusiast, of course, on this show. So <laughs> you've got a, a lot of the uh, in-depth analysis. Yeah, absolutely. That's great stuff. Uh, the in-depth analysis on the boxing side of things. And, you know, we'd love to hear from our, our listeners here, whether it's related to boxing, golf, basketball, baseball, football, or even hockey. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from you at some point along the way. Um, our number is 516-418-5572. And we realize as our show is winding down here tonight that we probably won't hear from anybody this evening. But in the future, we would love to hear from our listeners, um, you know, even bring up a topic maybe we aren't talking about because we'd love to be able to comment on it and have a discussion. Um, we'll be back again, of course, next week on the show as we'll have the NFL draft to recap, or at least the first round of the NFL draft to recap. Uh, obviously, um, another big thing that I neglected to mention here is uh, we've also seen in the last uh, week or so uh, a lot of uh, college football spring games have gone on. I know you were at a uh, USF event here recently. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you so much for doing it, Aaron. And the USF Coaches Caravan Tour. And for those who don't know what that is, which is really cool that USF, University of South Florida did, is basically they're going to 
four locations and they're going to give you an opportunity to go to the event. You'll get a chance to meet the head coach, Jeff Scott, plus the other coaches that were there too, the track and field coach, women's volleyball, women's golf, men's basketball. And that's really cool that you get a chance to meet all of the coaches at this event and network with them. Food and atmosphere is beautiful. It's a kid-friendly event. You can also pay for kids. I highly recommend it. I also did want to mention on air to our listeners that I did talk to the track and field coach, to Jeff Jeff Scott, the the football coach, and also the women's golf course, golf coach as well for USF. They all three have very, very happily agreed to come on our show. So I will have all, all of them do an interview with me. I will reach out to them on Monday to kind of finalize those details. And we're going to, and the cool thing is with all of them, we all, they said a Zoom is no problem, but if you want to come down and, and do it face to face, that's cool too. So we kind of are going to play by ear, which is really cool. I, I like the fact that they're giving me the option. So more than likely, I would probably yeah. <laughs> like to meet them face to face and do it on campus. Cause I feel as if I do it that way, you might get a mini tour of what goes through a coach's day the day to day and you learn more yourself. Like I'll even learn myself. I was there for the day. So yes, I'm going to reach out to all the coaches. We're going to make this happen and we're going to give you guys, you know, the football side of being a, a coach from a collegiate level. We'll get the track and field coach as well. See how it is to be a coach in track and field. You'll get a chance. And also, women's golf i would love to hear their perspective on that too so those are going to be some great things if you haven't been to usf coaches caravan tour the next stop is is the usf in clearwater you can reach on their usf alumni website and if you are going to a university check it out to see if you have something similar to this go and have fun give college spirit and you get a chance to meet all the coaches and athletic team. Yeah, those are great events. I've been to just one that I can remember a few years back uh, for University of Florida, but uh, definitely fun because you get an opportunity to meet people and, and um, obviously be around a lot of alumni. And sometimes there are former players that do show up to those events um, as well. So those are always good, good, uh, good opportunities to run into someone you may not uh, normally run into. Exactly. And, and, you know, you just never, never know who's going to show up to these events. They're fun events. You support the school, support the athletic team. You get a chance to get involved and hear there or who might be you should meet. It's just fun food. It's great entertainment. Definitely a very cool thing there for sure. So, Alan, anything else uh, to add here tonight? Yeah, I definitely wanted to thank you and also thank Chef G's for being our sponsor, Chef G's barbecue sauce. So so delicious and addictive, you might need a support group. So support Chef G, get yourself a bottle of 
of his barbecue sauce. You know, you could try the one flavors, the different four different flavors. You could try each one of them, or you can get a whole set and get a discount doing that. Definitely great barbecue sauce. I am honored to be supported by and sponsored by Steph D because <clears throat> the cool thing is <laughs> his videos, they do very, very good on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of those here, uh, especially recently. So uh, definitely very cool there. And that's a great way to to um, to not only network, but also a great way to uh, market, uh, obviously, what you're doing, especially TikTok is such a popular thing nowadays. So definitely great. And I would say yeah. my recommendation uh, for everyone, get the variety pack for sure. Uh, you do save a little bit of money there by doing that. Then you get all the flavors. So that's really a good good idea for sure. Exactly. Yep, definitely. You get all the flavors, you get to taste them all, and then you decide, let us know which one is the best. I also did want to let listeners know that I'm going to be throwing, not throwing, but giving away a nice giveaway for our fans. I'm not going to spoil a surprise, but keep keep posted to our page, and all you'll have to do is just like our page, follow us, either on YouTube or Instagram, and you will be entered into a draft where you could be into a raffle where you could win this prize. So it's going to be coming up real soon. So keep an eye out for that and definitely you'll get it, get all those details. Perfect. All right. Well, great show again here this evening. Uh, thank you to our listeners for, uh, for tuning in. If you missed any part of our show here tonight, it does play back uh, through uh, iHeart radio and of course um i think there's one other uh platform that we're on too i can't think of the name of it right now but <laughs> um iheart radio is obviously an easy one to download i believe it's free so um you can certainly listen to this show or any of our others that are archived uh there as well so for alan and for lou this is aaron signing off everyone have a great evening Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.